Welcome to the Bleeding Cincy Red Podcast, Best Case, Worst Case Scenario Edition, where we focus on one player each episode during spring training and discuss what they've done for the Reds in the past and what they will mean to this 2018 World Championship team. Uh, Who's on the docket today, Robert? In this episode, we'll dive into Rizel Iglesias. Go Reds! So Rizel Iglesias, he is, uh, I always think it's interesting to look at where these people come from that uh, we're talking about, and uh, Iglesias is kind of similar to Aroldis Chapman in a way. He's a a Cuban undrafted free agent that the Reds signed back in 2014. Uh, I think he was maybe like 24 years old at the time when they signed him, so uh, the Reds knew that they would be able to get him up to the majors pretty soon, and uh, originally started as like kind of a starter for the Reds, but is uh, now like kind of a dominant uh, reliever. For me, as a Reds fan, I'm actually shocked that we were the team that was able to sign him. It was the same thing with Raldis Chapman. I think back when it was focused between us and the Yankees, and he, he chose us over the Yankees. I don't know if we were just offering more money. I don't know if we were offering... I can't remember if it was a contract that got him to the majors faster. I'm really not sure what the what was really enticing to him other than the delicious skyline chili that awaited him here in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I'm not sure why why he picked us. And the same with Rizel Iglesias. I know there were a couple of other people who were uh, after him, and he, and he chose us, which is great. And the Reds signed him to a uh, a seven year, twenty seven million dollar deal, which you know, twenty seven million dollars to any of us is a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of the cost of pitching these days is ridiculously cheap. I believe Clayton Kershaw earns close to $30 million a season. So having seven years and $27 million plus, I believe he has an arbitration eligible year after those seven years where we still have the rights. So that's eight years of him. Um, to me, that's it's proving to be quite a steal. Of course, there was some risk. Of course, he started in the rotation. And... I I really wanted him to stay in the rotation. I know there was, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know there were issues about uh, his health and staying healthy and for being kind of a smaller guy. Right, and I, I believe that was part of the thought process that landed him into the, the bullpen. But I, I agree with you. Like I, I remember at the time being upset that you know this guy is showing everything that you want to see out of a starter uh it's, it's interesting to look at his numbers because his uh, whip uh, as a starter is the same as a reliever, a ridiculously good uh, 1.1. Uh, I think it's 1.14 as a starter and 1.11 this past season as a reliever, but uh, ridiculously good uh, at keeping people off the, the bases, uh, not getting hits, not getting walks. And, um, and he, he showed that, you know, he could be, like, a, a really good starter. Um, 
And at the time, I thought, you know, why are you, why are you not why? And by you, meaning the Reds organization, why why are the Reds not uh, continuing to go down this path? But I think uh, relief pitching and having a really dominant reliever is also very rare. And Iglesias is proving the Reds possibly made the right decision. This is the same thing with Chapman. I remember it was a big, uh, big thing with Chapman was whether he should be a starter or a reliever. Um, the good thing about being a reliever is that, you know, uh, if you've got one of those shutdown guys that if you make it to the eighth or ninth inning, then, and you've got the lead that, you, you know, the game's over. And, um, and that's really important to have. I mean, I've, I've been through enough shaky relief pitching over the years as a Reds fan to uh, <laughs> to really appreciate having someone who can just lock down the game and you can, uh, you know, 90-something percent, 95% of the time know that, all right, this game's over now. We, we made it, and uh, we just have to, to wait for these last uh, few outs yes. um, to make it official. Someone who doesn't load the bases before finally escaping the jam. I, I, I'm with you. I remember all the years of, you know, Danny Graves when he had some rough patches and Dave Stormy Weathers and uh, Francisco Cordero, who um, I remember looking this up one time because Aroldis Chapman was so dominant. And but Francisco <laughs> Francisco Cordero was always very would make me nervous every time he would go out there every time, and I remember looking it up one time and their save percentage, uh, a cons- successful uh, save conversion percentage was almost the same, and I thought that, <laughs> that cannot be right that cannot possibly be right. Um, but the, the well, but that's all the heart attacks that they put you through to get to that same percentage. <laughs> yeah, the the hospitals around here were thankful that Aroldis Chapman came around because you know it was like you know if he was going to blow a save, it was just like a three run ding dong that would uh you know you're like oh that that just happened where uh you know Francisco Cordero would take his time in losing the game for you so and blowing that save. <laughs> so I'm with you. I, I remember just being frustrated and and it is. It's funny because I have always undervalued uh, – or let me rephrase. I used to think uh, organizations overvalued relievers, to be honest. It always seemed like to me uh, relievers were more or less failed starters, people who couldn't uh, succeed. And now as the game has been shortened and shortened and um, starting pitchers are going fewer innings, the metrics are telling organizations that the third time through the lineup is the most difficult for pitchers and that you often are wise to move a reliever in there it is becoming uh it is becoming more important than ever to have a strong bullpen i mean kansas city uh was proving that the cubs god the cubs the cubs were proving that the yankees uh with their dominance back there they were proving it and so now with the reds that's kind of one of those next logical steps and how do we make sure we clamp this down and uh inglacius is a big big part of that moving forward yeah and and in fact like i even go back to the last time the reds won the world series and when you look at that team and uh, a big part of that team was the nasty boys and uh, knowing you could lock down games at, at the end so um relief pitching like for me is uh you know fundamental but i mean you know there's so much about base the great thing about baseball it really is such a team game that uh you really do have to 
get all the different phases down. And I'm glad I'm glad that we've got a lockdown guy in Iglesias. Uh, one thing that's interesting with Iglesias is that he was part of a lot of trade rumors over the um, off season, and part of that's because. He can opt out of his contract each offseason. There's some people who thought that he might have done it this past offseason and uh, opt out into arbitration. And that could make his contract start to skyrocket a little bit. Um, so uh, there's there I've seen some uh, articles on this recently where uh, people are wondering if the Reds are going to get a little tricky with how they use the Glacius this year, especially if they're not winning a lot of games right off the bat and try to use him more as a setup guy so he doesn't get too many saves and start messing with the arbitration numbers. And I'm wondering, Brian, uh, if something like that starts to develop, would you be in favor of the Reds getting kind of tricky with how they use the Glacius, or do you think they should just stick with him just being the closer? Uh, My personal opinion is neither of those things should actually matter that much uh i'm all for keeping him a cost control for the future if the years if, if next year is not there this year is not the year uh but the the window is starting to open i do believe in teams i have no problem with teams taking controllable assets and using them in a way that will allow them to keep that controllable asset for as long as they possibly can um it's why the cubs didn't call up chris bryant that first year until like 10 games 11 games in so they could keep him for another year I recognize that this seems unfair to the player, and it really probably is. But at the same token, it's the way the system is written and set. And if you don't like that, then you have to change the system. I guess what I believe more importantly is that I'm not big on designating someone as a closer. I like the Reds' philosophy at the very beginning of the year, the philosophy I thought they were abiding by. And Brian Price talked this up, which is when you have the heart of another lineup up, whether that's in the eighth inning or the ninth inning or the seventh inning with men on base – what I want is my best pitcher, my best reliever in there to shut that down. Why do I bring in the guy who struggles a bit against that only to maybe not have the opportunity in the ninth inning to win the game? So I personally don't like designating someone as a closer. I recognize that it's um, that, that that's a, a big change and it's tough for relievers to mentally uh, not know their specific role. At the same time, these are guys who are who are working to land multi-million dollar contracts and, and play a game, and they need to find a way to adjust to that kind of thinking, in my opinion. So to answer your question, uh, I guess I lean more toward use them in ways that save money, but more importantly, use them when the game matters. And that's what I want out of my best relief pitcher uh, at all times, at all times. So um, what's your take? Right, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more of, the less win games <laughs> philosophy <laughs> right now. Well, yeah, that's is, too. <laughs> is, you know, I, you know, I don't know how much this played into Garrett's uh, injury, uh, Amir Garrett's injury last year with uh, moving him down to the minors and back up to the majors. I don't know if that had anything to do uh, with, with helping him get that knee injury that apparently plagued him the rest of the year. Uh, but I think sometimes if you have something that's going good, you just keep rolling with it and uh, keep that momentum going. And, uh, you know, if, if Iglesias is pitching the seventh and eighth innings, shutting things down, and we're saving money, great. If uh, And we're winning games, like, you know, I don't care. Um, if 
if the way to win games is for him to pitch the eighth and ninth innings, uh, I think that's what we should do. Um, I, I just don't, I don't want the Reds to start to overthink things for 2020 if we have a chance to win in 2018 and 2019. And, um, you know, we, we have, whether he goes to, opts out into arbitration or not, uh, we do control Iglesias' rights. Uh, the Reds control Iglesias' rights through 2020. So, um, you know, if, if he ends up saving 40 games and we have to pay him money because he saved 40 games, like that, for me, that's a good problem to have. And, uh, and it shows that we're, we're winning more games, but, um, but yeah, I, I, it's interesting seeing some of like the, the, the tricky things that are going, that go on. Sometimes I feel like, you know, it's just like overthinking things uh, a bit. Uh, now bringing in, um, uh, some of these other uh, relievers like uh, Jared Hughes and um, Hernandez, and then some of the homegrown talent we have. Maybe maybe there's a way the Reds can have like you know Iglesias will save fifty percent of the games or thirty percent of the games, and maybe some other guy saves thirty percent. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if the Reds feel like they can trust uh, two or three people to save games and split it up, like great like awesome but uh, but if they start just trying to get tricky for the sake of saving one million dollars or something you know and then we start losing a lot of games or right or Iglesias' production starts to go down because his mental state is uh going down like you know i i, I you know as as a former athlete i, I do know how much um as much as like an athlete would like to tell you like that you know they're professional and everything like the mental side of stuff does have an impact at times on your performance so oh yeah um, ask chuck knobloch mentally uh your mentality can really really affect you know just as much as like an injury and to me if you if your mentality is broken a little bit not through your own fault um and, with, and for those people who don't know with Chuck Knobloch, he developed the yips. And the yips are, you know, the mental problem where you can no longer throw the ball to first base. Uh, you throw it wildly. In fact, uh, who's the Cubs pitcher right now who has that? John Lester. John Lester yeah. suffers from the yips. And uh, and so, like, you're absolutely right. The men- mental thing could be a problem. And I don't think it's worth it for the Reds to, to fight it over just like a million dollars or whatever. And my guess is... They probably won't. My guess is they're going to try to win games. Brian Price is in the last year of his contract, I think. Um, and so it's in his interest to win every possible game he can. Um, and so I think he will. I, I think they will move forward that way. And uh, and the one other thing I will say, as much as I, I'm sitting here talking like, oh, I want bullpen, I want the best pitcher to come in at the right time because I want to see that matchup. I want to see that shutdown. At the same time, I recognize as a fan, there is something to be said at the very end of the game, having your best pitcher at the very end of the game, having your best pitcher, your closer, the guy you have in your mind that you can count on, come on and deliver that last out. It is extra exciting. It's more exciting to see that than often some of the other players who uh, don't have that quite pedigree. And so, 
Uh, and, and Iglesias is that guy. I mean, he he struck out 92 batters in 76 innings last year. And the year before, he had more strikeouts than innings pitched. And the year before that, his first year up here, he had more strikeouts than innings pitched. And I think that is a big indicator of success, especially when you keep the walks down like he did. So I, what, my expectations are he will be the closer next year, uh, no doubt, it will be treated in the same closer way. I think there will be opportunities where he pitches two innings, which I like. And if it'll probably cost the Reds more money in the long run. But you know what? I just I want to get back to winning. Winning ways. Yeah. Winning well, ways. So I I'm think, with you on that. I think, you know, Reds should feel Reds fans should feel excited to have a player like Iglesias on the team right now. He's like one of those really bright spots and um and I know that I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to worry about what happens after 2020 when uh, we don't control his rights anymore. But uh, for the time while the Reds still still have him, I, I look forward to just enjoying the ride and seeing uh, what he does for us because it's, it's been great so far. I mean, he was sixth in the league in saves last year, and that's for a team that did not win a lot of games. I mean, that's... That's pretty incredible. Let's uh, start turning stuff around uh, uh, and start winning more games to see uh, what what type of he's only he's only going to start doing more. So. Yeah, and and to be fair, other than Luis Castillo, he was probably the most exciting pitcher we had last year. Um, someone to really build on for the following year. He's the anchor of that bullpen. So I I, I believe it's it, I believe he's an essential piece to this team now, especially because he's controllable. Um, as this window opens, and I look forward to that. I'm personally a little glad that they didn't trade him in the offseason. I know there was talk there. Now, my tune would have changed depending on the haul that they got back. Um, but I, I'm hopeful. I, I trust in Dick Williams some, and I believe that the right trade wasn't there, and so his, his value is still with us, and so I'm glad to see him back. Um, now it's time to jump into the best-case, worst-case scenario, and I'll go first on this one. And for best-case... For Rizel Iglesias, I have he he really proves himself as an elite closer this year, cracking above that six spot in saves and up even higher, and uh, he proves himself as the strong bullpen arm that we know, and he records the final out that saves Game Seven of the 2018 World Series. Best case scenario. As for worst case scenario. Uh, the only thing that the only knock I could really find on him it, from uh, his previous two years to 2017 was this. I noticed a slight in looking at the numbers. I noticed a slight uptick in his walks. Um, he faced fewer batters last year than he did the two years before, and yet his his walks ticked up just a little bit. So his worst case scenario for me is his walks per nine innings continues to grow. And making him a less stable pitcher, affecting him a little mentally, like you said. And he becomes as nerve-wracking in the ninth inning as Francisco Cordero once was. So to me, that's about the worst-case scenario. And I'm hopeful it doesn't come to that. Um, And I don't think that it will. But with that walk walk rate slowly ticking up, it it, it certainly is in the realm of possibility. What do you have? All right. So I'm actually going to pick up from there and share my worst case first. And uh, Iglesias' uh, whip has been 
even though his walk rate has gone up a little bit, his whip has been uh, steady at 1.14 to 1.11 all three of the past seasons, uh, pitching whether he's a starter or a reliever. Um, so my, my worst case is that he's just still going to be dominant, but he's going to be dominant on a team that's losing games instead of winning them. Uh, I really feel like there are a few players you can really just count on year in, year out, but I think the Reds actually have a few that uh, have pretty good floors, and Iglesias has one of the best floors for a reliever, I feel, in all the major leagues. Um, so being dominant on a losing team, that's like his worst case for me. Uh, best case, I love that you went to Game 7, Uh <laughs> For, for saves, I'm not going to go quite to that to that level, though I do have I, I can picture it, <laughs> so I'm glad you went there. Um, my best case is the Reds actually win games this year, uh, make the playoffs enough. I think if they end up winning enough games to make the playoffs, I feel like Iglesias, uh, best case, has that ability to actually lead the league in saves. I mean, if he can get sixth on a team that only wins 60-something games during the season. If the Reds can win 90-something, then uh, they, they could bump them up there. So I'm going to put them down. Uh, best case, leads league and saves, uh, which also means that the Reds are probably going to the playoffs and that maybe they'll get to uh, Brian's best case of him saving Game 7 of the World Series, which I would love. That would be uh, perfect. That'd be lockdown. That'd be... I I gotta be bold. I don't wanna I don't wanna say who they're gonna play in the World Series. I gotta leave that surprise to the listeners. Uh, I don't wanna ruin it, <laughs> even though we already know the outcome. But um, <laughs> I do believe that I, I, I'm with you. I believe he's he's gonna be great, and it's gonna be a fun year for him and for Reds fans like us. So anyway, thanks to everybody out there for listening today. We of course really appreciate it if you like what you hear please rate us on itunes and share with all of your friends especially all those reds fans out there who have been quietly quietly getting amped up for opening day of course a special thanks to our all-time favorite red barry larkin for listening i'm sure he's tuned in somewhere go reds 